welcome back for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, where we at Clean Technica interview clean tech leaders from around the world. With topics ranging from electric cars to climate change communication, you can listen to our full podcast series by visiting our website at cleantechnica.com. Hello, we're here for another episode of Clean Tech Talk. I'm Zach Shahan, CEO of Clean Technica. And joining me today are Ben Frank, Senior Director of National Sales in the Commercial Sector at leading smart technology, smart energy technology company Solar Edge, and Lewis Butler, National Commercial Sales Manager at EPC company GRNE. And today we're talking about the trends that are driving adoption of solar energy in the agricultural industry. This is a fun topic we've covered, you know, periodically for over a decade. It seems like there's all pluses. But we don't, you know, obsessively cover it, and it's never been a huge major part of the industry, as far as I'm aware. Although that seems to be growing, and as I said, there tend there seem to just be a lot of pluses and no real minuses to agri photovoltaics. But we are lucky enough to have a couple of experts here to talk to us about it today, so we'll learn more, I'm sure, and yeah, maybe we'll find out if there are any any reasons it, it shouldn't be so popular, but uh, probably not. First off, though, let's just get a little bit of background on who you guys are, Ben and Lewis. I will start with Ben. Could you introduce yourselves, your kind of how you got into this industry, and then your company's role in, in the solar industry? Excellent. Well, uh, thank you, Zach, and thanks for having us here today to talk about uh, solar and, and the agri-PV market. So I, I've been in the solar industry now for about 12 years. got excited about the opportunity to... Uh, you know, try and help the world a little bit and, and do my piece. And, and I actually have been at SolarEdge for almost eight years. An incredible company that uh, was launched in, in 2006. And SolarEdge developed a, a new and highly innovative way to harvest energy from the sun. You know, when people think about solar, they think about solar panels, but it's actually the inverter that's the brains of the system and responsible for converting the energy from the panel to the grid. So that's what our, our equipment does. And what we did was we, we developed a new type of solar inverter that leverages something called power optimizers. And it's a form of MLPE or module level power electronics. And what that does is it helps increase energy production by overcoming limitations of some of the older technology string inverters that have been on the market for, for quite a few years. So today, SolarEdge is actually a you know, global clean tech leader. We, we operate in the residential space, uh, the commercial space of which AgriPV is, is part of the commercial space, and we're also moving into the utility space. The company is it's a public company. It's traded on the NASDAQ. Last year, we did over $3 billion in revenue, US dollars, and we're actually the number one solar inverter company in the world by revenue. Yeah, it's actually a bit funny because we we Clean Technica started in 2007, so just one year later. I didn't realize it was 2006 that you guys started. You know, just had the image like you're older, but you know, we we are getting older by the day. So uh, we're both you know deep into our teens now. But uh, I remember I was living in Poland for for a long time, and I met a solar PhD student there, and who was a reader. Happened to discover that he was a reader, and we lived in the same city in Poland. And he was doing his PhD on this this topic. So I remember asking him because there's a lot of debate. This was about seven years ago. 
about you know your optimizers versus traditional mi- uh, micro inverters or inverters and uh so i was i mean i think hey let's ask for expert what do you think which is better and he he uh cited very clearly and and strongly on the favor of your optimizers so i was i've been a fan uh, i've been you know convinced ever since you know i didn't really need much more he was very far above me technically great student there and yeah i've been it's been fun watching you guys grow because you've grown from that technology to a lot more. You guys do do a lot more than that now and you've you've expanded your your range. But yeah, great intro. Thanks. And then let's hear from Lewis and find out a little bit more about your side of the story. Yeah, thanks Zach. My name's Lewis Butler. I work at GRE Solar. We're an engineering procurement and construction firm uh based out of the Midwest and we actually do work across uh Across the nation, um, we're not quite as global as SolarEdge there, but uh, we do have a, a healthy uh, footprint in the U.S. So we plan, design, install solar installations, do some battery storage. In addition to that, we also buy, maintain, and operate arrays long term. So we are long term asset owners. So when we're putting some of these systems together, we're talking about agri PV. You know, we're trying to incorporate that into our projects from er- very early stages all the way through, you know, those projects being developed and being out there and producing clean energy for a long, long time. So we work in the, the residential space, the commercial space, and then that small scale uh, utility space as well. And, you know, to that topic of optimizers and all the technology that SolarEdge has, we're certainly use, utilizing that in all of our different market segments, which definitely uh, helps make our lives uh, pretty easy as we start to integrate more and more different aspects to our projects. Yeah, you. I'm sure you care a lot about which technology is in these systems that you're looking to own for a long time. But yeah, that's that's great. I was it's interesting that you're in the even the residential space a bit, but uh, big breadth of uh, of the sol- big breadth of the solar industry that you're covering there. So that's interesting to hear as well. So let's jump into the topic of the day, which is really solar agro PV or agro photovoltaics. So the, just generally speaking, let's start off with you know what trends are driving solar adoption in the U.S in general right now, and then more specifically amongst farmers. We can start uh, in reverse this time. We can start with, with Lewis here. Yeah, you know, so I've been in the industry for five to six years now, and what's driving a lot of farmers to start looking at PV and ultimately agri-PV is just wanting to preserve their family farms or their generational farms, and they love to be very efficient with their land use. So I think they're naturally curious and a little bit hesitant to always adopt uh, the next best thing, but it's really the, those long-term savings, being environmentally minded and preserving that farmland long-term that uh, really gets them talking and ultimately excited once they do decide to move forward with the project. Yeah, sounds good. Ben, uh, your take on that? Sure. So if we took a take a look at the industry in general and, you know, just quoting sources for like uh, the SIA uh, organization, it's actually interesting that that solar accounted for 50 percent of all new electricity generated capacity that was added in, in the U.S. in 2022. So that's that's kind of a big deal. And that's I think it's the largest annual share in the industry's history. And it's actually the, the fourth year in a row where solar edge uh, solar uh, solar was the top technology with new electricity uh, i'd like to think it was all solar edge but it, you know yeah. solar technology <laughs> capacity insulation and i think just in general you know the 
drivers or you know industry rising electricity costs you know demand for greater energy independence uh the desire to act more sustainably you know on the commercial side which is near and dear to my heart uh you know uh, uh, corporations are also pushing their esg goals and you know people are just trying to reduce their their because of regulatory and other goals trying to reduce their carbon reduction footprint so you know switching over to agricultural you know as as lewis mentioned I mean, it's it's been in the the you know agri PV, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But you know, agricultural and solar in general is it's it's been around since the beginning of of solar, where you know farms and the agricultural community have put solar system on barns, sheds, and you know other buildings or structures and ground mounts as well at at farms, and and it helps to offset the electricity usage of irrigation pumps you know, and other critical systems that are helped to run farms, as well as selling power back to the grid. So pretty much fits in very well with the rest of the industry. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, because you think, you know, solar is a big part of that is self-reliance, energy self-reliance, energy independence, farming, self-reliance. So they've been, they've been a match from the beginning. Some of the earliest solar adopters were, I'm sure, uh, farmers uh, decades ago. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting just to see as the industry grows, how how the solar P, solar agri PV grows as well. Yeah, we've done uh, energy capacity addition reports for forever. It feels like, and uh, yeah, for a while there, solar and wind started becoming the majority, and then like seventy <laughs> or plus percent of new additions. But then you saw pretty you know sort of recently, solar just climb, 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 and, and cross that fifty percent barrier all by itself, which is just sort of stunning. So is is there also, you know, just generally speaking, is there a boost from the solar from the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022? Are you seeing a boost in activity this year from that yet? Uh, I I could comment on that. You know, the IRA is is definitely a a, a a huge. You know, looking at it from the commercial point of view, it it, it is adding a lot of you know economic viability. Uh, and incentives to commercial solar in general, and not any different for agri-PV. I think some of the clarity on, on, on some of the specifics of how much we'll add is, is still a little bit in question, and, and certainly at the state level. But yeah, we do expect there to be a, a pretty good boom to uh, you know, commercial solar in general and to agri-PV as a result of IRA. Yeah, I would I would add that you know the IRA definitely boosted that tax credit, but it also provided a lot more funding for the USDA REAP grant, which is primarily targeted at rural communities and and farmers in general. So we're seeing a lot of people applying for those grants now. So I think there's going to be some states and utilities and areas of the country where traditionally you wouldn't have have thought a solar project was going to go in that those markets are now going to start opening up. That's interesting. I was not aware of that. It's a pretty big pretty big bill and so we we focus on our niche topics but it wasn't aware of that component or if i was i forgot about it already which tends to happen with things more and more but let's just now i guess explain and give a full picture of what is agri pv how it works and what are its benefits for for farmers you know including normal solar pv benefits but actually beyond beyond those Uh, we can start with uh, ben here 
Sure. So, you know, when we talk about agri-PV, what we're talking about is, is an elevated solar system, right, that's installed on farmland uh, where there would be crops cultivated underneath the solar system, as well as, you know, potentially livestock grazing underneath. So we actually call this, you know, co-locating or dual-use farming. And, and, you know, when done correctly, can actually yield some pretty impressive results twofold, right? Number one, improving yield of crops, you know, also being better conditions for grazing. And then you also have electricity that's being generated. So it's, it's, uh, it, it helps the farm community increase their productivity of their farm or saving water. And, and at the same time, being able to have another source of income by generating electricity. And, uh, you know, we could, we'll talk about it again a little bit more when we look at the technology and the impact. But, you know, ultimately what you're trying to do is create optimal, it's like a balance between optimal shading for certain crops, while at the same time knowing that, hey, at certain hours of the day, you know, maybe I want to produce more electricity uh, to maximize that, that income uh, for, for the farm. And, and then, of course, the, you know, the high shading, certainly in parts of the, the country like Arizona and other parts of California could really help for, you know, uh, uh, maximizing uh, uh, use of, of water for, for these farms. You know, the, I, I talk about grazing. There's definitely a benefit to grazing. You know, traditional ground mount systems, uh, you, you have to mow, the, you know, there's, uh, under, underneath you would have a vegetation that grows and you have to mow the, that, that down so it doesn't create shading on the modules. But if you elevate it and you have uh, livestock underneath for grazing, I mean, they, they kind of take care of it on their own. They'll, they'll eat the vegetation and it also, you know, it's cooler conditions. It, it's just, uh, you know, so many ways that it, it benefits the farm as, as, as well as uh, the, the farmers. The, the other thing is, I think there was a study done by NREL that uh, when you do a comparison between a traditional ground mount, you know, where it's quite close to the ground, and then these elevated systems that modules uh, uh, actually, the mod or the solar panels uh, actually operate about 48 degrees cooler which is a great thing, right? Solar panels, when they run cooler, they're more efficient and produce energy at at a more efficient level. Yeah, I was going to highlight that because a lot of people realize you need a lot of, you need the more sun, the better for solar PV generation, but actually uh, you want it to be cooler as well. So you don't want heat, you know, the cooler temperatures help to raise the efficiency, the, the conversion of sunlight into electricity. So it helps to be cooled down by the grass underneath, right? Yep, absolutely. Uh, well, I think Ben gave a good intro on what AgriPV is. You can expand on that if you want, Lewis, but go ahead and talk more from your perspective about the advantages of it, you know, why it's so cool. Yeah, when when Ben was talking about, you know, operating at cooler temperature, temperatures, I thought he was going to say it's just flat out cool because in like it's just so neat because you can get such varied projects coming out of out of this. It's, you know, you can talk about sheep, you can talk about the the pollinator habitats you can talk about growing different crops and you're going to have such wide variety within this space from one region to the next you know a project in Arizona is going to look different than a project in New York and you know I think it's just going to be incredible we don't even know all the implications as, as we sit here right now there's just so much opportunity in this space and it's just all about having those building blocks and starting to work through 
the economics and what all these projects can look like. And I think that's the most exciting part of this to me. That's a really good point. Yeah, it's always eye-catching and like mind-opening to sort of see a picture of, you know, goats grazing under solar panels or, or like you said, you know, bee habitat there. It's, it's really quite... I don't know. It's just there's something about it that's very cool, as you said, and just makes grabs people's attention. It's like, whoa, really? You can combine solar PV farms with, you know, goat farms or with, you know, pepper, pepper <laughs> growing peppers or whatever it may be. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know, but it's uh, definitely there's some kind of cool factor to that beyond the temperature that's definitely grabs people's attention. So, can you share some examples of you know specific projects, specific benefits you're seeing? on the ground with the AgriPV? Sure, so we, you know, we, SolarEdge is fortunate that we have a pretty good size strategy team and research team that's looking at many different markets around the world and different segments and AgriPV is obviously one of them. And so, you know, we've looked at studies, you, you mentioned Pepper's Act. So there was a recent study conducted by the University of Arizona uh, specifically evaporation on crops like tomatoes, uh, peppers, uh, cilantro, and onions were cut by 50% uh, because of the cooler temperatures uh, below the solar panels. So, you know, that means that the irrigation, you know, if you think of the whole impact, especially with water challenges in the western part of the country, you know, that's a big deal. You know, if you're cutting irrigation by half, then then that's a big deal for the farm, you know, electricity, water usage. And also because of the panels, even for the, the farm workers, you know, skin temperatures were average uh, 20 degrees Fahrenheit cooler when they were working under the panels. There was also... That's, uh, that's a really, I never really thought, you know, you think about the vegetables or the, the, the panels being more efficient. But yeah, that, that's a striking point that, you know, it's going to be more comfortable for the people who work on the farm, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then we had, you know, the specific examples that we came across, you know, tomato crops in different fields in, in both Arizona and California, yield doubled because of agri-PB. Uh, there were jalapenos crops in both Arizona and California, slight reduction in production, but water use efficiency for the reasons I mentioned before, uh, improved by 150%. So just a slight reduction in in, in production, but, you know, such higher efficiency and water usage. There were similar examples of Calif uh, kale and chard, I think that was in California, where, it, you know, they got the same production, but at 55% of the sun exposure and broccoli, another, you know, just looking at all these different crops, you know, improved production rate at only 85% of sun exposure. So that varied shading and then, you know, when they want to maximize production of electricity, that's, hey, you create the shade and, and now you're, you're generating more electricity. So some of those are some of the examples that we've seen. And of course, the byproduct for the farm community or developers of solar systems for agri-PV is it's a steady source of income, right? Because of electric electricity production, as well as the improved agricultural productivity makes farming operations greener. You know, I don't think there's anybody out there that would say they don't want to be greener. And it could also potentially re revive, you know, degraded land that, that may have had other challenges because of not enough water or, or too much sun. Yeah, I mean, when you just look at those numbers, it's got to be an easy sell to farmers. Like, like you know, I'll look at... Look at... <laughs> 
look at how much better you know your your output can be, your your yields can be. Lewis, do you want to add some more on some of those benefits? Yeah, I, I think you know for a lot of farmers that we interact with, it's just about being efficient. So maybe there's a space of land that they can't farm or they can't build on. So there's a lot of benefits for that. And we're we're also seeing farmers. I was talking to a a guy who uh, breeds sheep. And he's already looking in the future, selectively breeding his sheep to be able to fit the dynamics of grazing around a solar array. So reduce hoof rot or lower propensity to get worms or whatever the, the various things are. So, you know, I'm, I'm just still excited about all the things that are yet to come in addition to all the buzz and fuzz like the bees and the sheep that are already happening. Yeah, we need to get a lot of more NRL scientists out there onto farms to... <laughs> to pull these things out or, you know, from the agricultural uh, research community as well. Well, it was, it's, it's also, yeah, like you said, you know, you able, you're able to use land that might be a brownfield or something, or it might be not really uh, suitable for some, some of the farming you're doing. Uh, I think that's an interesting benefit. I had another thing that you, that you brought up that I was going to mention, but I forget what it was now, but yeah, let's go ahead. Then you mentioned there are some. There's a p- component of the IRA that's that's helpful here. In general, what support is available for farmers who are interested in adopting agri agri PV? We'll start with Lewis this time again. Yeah, I would I would say you know every state's going to be a little bit different. So reaching out to your local friendly solar company like GRNE is always a good good place to start. But at a federal level. You have obviously have the investment tax credit of a, of at least thirty percent, and then the USDA has two tracks of programs currently. One is the grant, which can cover up to forty percent of project costs, up to a million dollars. That's a pretty good incentive with that thirty percent tax credit. And then they also have a loan product uh, that has a pretty lengthy term on it as well that you might not traditionally find at a local lender. So that long term can help lower those payments, and so you can, you know, mir- or marry that with uh, those energy savings. So, you know, pretty good rate on those loans, and that forty percent grant is pretty impactful. Yeah, and Ben, do you have more to add there on what's available? Yeah, I, you know, I think uh, you know, Lewis and and you know, companies like GRNE are are definitely in a better position than Solar Edge to you know help with regards to that. I mean, we we kind of come in after and and help them a- enable it with uh, with the technology to make sure that hey, you know, if you are going to do this project, you know, do the research. There's great companies out there like GRNE who could help figure that out at the local level. And then, you know, we'll enable the technology so that uh, you could maximize that return on investment. So I know what came to mind was uh, sort of when you mentioned steady, steady source of income, clearly what's uh, what can be a problem for farmers is the fluctuations in weather, especially as the climate gets more disrupted. So I think everybody's aware of that. Everybody's aware of the sort of how hard it is to be a farmer uh, sometimes when when weather is tough. Solar also relies on the weather and the climate, but it's a lot more predictable, a lot, you know, a lot more, I think, st- steady and durable to expect, you know, oh, we're going to get this much sun and it's going to produce this much electricity and we're going to get paid this much for it. It's a nice kind of steady stream of income, it seems, to uh, complement whatever agricultural income a farm is making. But on that topic as well, I mean, what what technology considerations come into play? How do you choose the right technology for Agro PV, I imagine it's not exactly the same as 
choosing solar PV for your roof on your house or or even for large scale utility scale projects in the desert or something. Yeah, what considerations come into play in, in terms of choosing the right technology for this? Yeah, that's uh, Zach. That's uh, you know, it's, it's a great question, and and you're right. It is it is very different for uh, the considerations are definitely different for the agri PV uh, community. So you know, we've I mentioned we have this strategy and research team that's look, digging into this uh, very carefully globally, and 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 or we're doing it because you know. According to the U.S. Department of Energy, agri-PV installations are actually expected to grow to 37 gigawatts uh, by 2027 worldwide. So it's a big market, right? And 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 really, the um, you know, I think the the farm community and the agricultural community, you know, they're they're looking for assurance that that the technology can make it work because there are some key considerations that. Uh, that the farm community has brought to uh, the solar industry. And, you know, the number one is that it really is an agricultural focus, right? Like unlike the, the ground mounts or these rooftop projects that you mentioned earlier, where it's, it's about solar, this is about the agricultural focus. It's about the crop, you know, that's the primary focus and solar is, is secondary, right? It's also about, you know, new production and maintenance challenges. Like, how do you marry a, you know, a, a electrical solar system with, with a farm where you got farm equipment, et cetera, that, that you have to, you know, coexist? You know, the risk and safety, right? That was a big concern when some studies were sent out. You know, some of the top concerns of the farm community was, hey, I've got equipment that I'm using. I've got farm workers, we got to make sure that this is safe, and then of how, course, how do you how do you make sure the goats don't eat them, right? Oh well, you know, there's all kinds of yeah. you know. I mean, you got a thousand volt or fifteen hundred volt uh, system on top of a farm, and with heavy machinery and farm workers, and you know, it's it's definitely a consideration. You know, that's where the technology comes in, and then of course, it has to make money. Right, like economically, you're going to spend X number of dollars uh, on a solar system. How do you have a return on investment? Uh, either if the farm owns it, or if there's a solar developer, they 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 need to make money. So I think that those are some of the 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 challenges. And I I could talk just briefly about each one. You know those those four challenges because technology really is the way that we can make it happen. And, and, you know, the agricultural focus already talked about that. And so maybe I'll jump into the production and maintenance challenges. So if, if you think about this, you know, you, you have a solar system that's going to be above the crop, right? That's 15 feet above the crop. And, you know, if you picture what this, uh, what actually looks like when you, when you build these dual use systems, and, uh, you know, how do you maximize the production knowing that you're going to be, you know, focusing on the crop, you know, shading and or more sunlight to the crop to maximize the growth. And obviously, if you're trying to maximize sunlight going through, that's probably not the best for the solar panels, right? Because you got to tilt the panels out of the way. And, and I should preface it by saying that, uh, you know, part of the solution is, you really need to have a tracker system, right? A tracker system that could move the modules so that you can adjust the amount of shade that's going to the crop and how that's solar help. That's, yeah, that's more or less across the board. I was wondering about that, like 
Do you have different, I was wondering if you have different angles, different types of setups that you target for different farming uses, or if it's really, you should pretty much always have a tracking system. In the... Yeah, for this to work, you you have to have a tracking system. And, and actually, SolarEdge, we purchased a company uh, a little over a year ago called Solar Geek, And it's a tracker solution, a single access tracker that is very unique and is very well suited to this market where it's a lightweight solution, you know, smaller tracker tables of fewer modules with uh, smaller motors. So you could really pinpoint and target these, what ends up being possibly very odd shaped land where a traditional tracker solution, which is really meant for large utility scale projects with lots of steel and lots of metal. And, and, you know, they work great for that, but for this is a little bit more of a challenge. And, you know, you got to take into account this uneven terrain, maybe it's on the side of a hill and, and you, you need to have that flexibility to, you know, give the, the, either the solar developer or the farmer the ability to adjust at any time of the day, depending on the conditions and the crop, ways to maximize production. And that works well. Remember how we started when we did the introduction, you know, SolarEdge has an optimized solution. So the combination of our unique optimizer with a Solar Geek tracker solution gives the, the solar developer for these applications the ability to really fine tune optimize and maximize you know production of e of pv as well as the crops or you know protection for 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 livestock and so you know another so you've got a really kind of nimble flexible uh kind of ninja tracking solution which is uh which is yeah when you when i thought about it off the board you know i'm thinking this is very similar to utility scale solar projects but when you go through all those factors it's obviously not it's very very you need a lot more nimble's flexible system to like make sure you're adapting to the farm yeah so it's interesting so i think you're on to three now right the third yeah the three you know the the fourth one was the you know we talked about risk and safety the risk and safety is look this is uh, i call it the dna of solar edge you know what puts solar edge on the map and and you know one of the reasons that we've grown so so much around the world is is the safety of having an optimizer or this MLPE at the module. You know, the reality is, you know, a module is like a battery. If the sun is shining and there's a path for current to flow, it's going to flow. Now, having a, an optimizer right at the panel gives us the ability to safely shut it down to millivolts and milliamps if something happens, right? Here in the U.S., we have, you know, NEC code and rapid shutdown requirements, so we're able to meet that and exceed that very easily with, with our optimizer. And we see it around the world as well, adopting similar approaches or at least having the focus on safety. And, you know, this is why this is a perfectly match for these applications, because, you know, again, you're going to have a tractor uh, going between the rows, you know, cultivating the crops or, or whatever. And you got to tilt those modules out of the way. Yeah, it's possible something will get bumped or, or whatever, and it is thousand volts. So having that MLPE gives you that safety that uh, that you wouldn't have with a traditional solution. So besides helping on the production side, you now are helping on the safety side. You know, farm workers working underneath again thousand volt, fifteen hundred volt. I think you would be, I would feel better working under there, knowing that you have that optimizer 
you know, giving you the protection level. And then the last one was, you know, just about return on investment. And, and I think that, you know, all the things that I talked about, which is optimized solution, you know, a tracker system that's got all this great monitoring and control capability, you know, all of it put together gives the tools to companies like GRNE to sit down and figure out the LCOE, the lowest cost of energy or the return on investment to say, hey, you know, check the box, this makes money. And, you know, they help find, you know, whatever incentives they are, you know, they put it all in their models and, and, uh, and wow, you know, the, this, the system makes, makes money and it, it's viable to move forward. Yeah, proof is in the pudding if Lewis's team decides that everything you said adds up to the to the right product, right? But that's really, I love that. It's great getting that detail, that kind of, uh, you know, we know the big picture story often on Clean Technical. We've been covering it for, you know, more than 15 years. So it's great to get the kind of detail that, you know, always learn, look to learn more. And you definitely just brought a lot of good factors in there. Lewis, what do you have to add on that? And, you know, call out any BS you heard from Ben. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. yeah. No no BS coming from Ben. You know, from my perspective, you know, you kind of said it's, you know, as if GRNE or the developer or we're making the decision. But ultimately, I have to sell the farmer on these solutions. And so all of the items that Ben highlighted there are the questions that we're getting from our customers, right? What's going to happen to production when I go to harvest my corn or soybeans in the fall? You know, what's going to happen or how do I know that this is producing what I think it's supposed to be producing? You know, who's going to be around to support this thing long term? That's great. You have this 25 year cash flow of all the money you think I'm going to save. But, you know, what happens in year five if these modules aren't producing or how will I even know if I have some modules that aren't, you know, doing what they're supposed to be doing? So being able to check all of those boxes and answer all of those questions really what help enable us to kind of get over those initial questions and hurdles and develop all these projects to, to do all these interesting, I don't even say add-ons, but, you know, maximize the value of that land for our customers. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, before you said five years, I was thinking, yeah, what if something breaks in five years? Yeah, it's probably a time frame that probably a lot of machinery breaks or, you know, and, and these these guys are familiar with machinery. So they're like, you know, well, what, what happens if this doesn't last 25 years? You know, who's there to to help out? You know, so that's really good. Um, and I imagine you end up then over the years have gone back to like Solar Edge and other other companies and said, so, so hey, we've got these questions. What's your answer for this? <laughs> and then you got to, you know, kind of go through the answers and see, okay, who's got the most convincing answer here for for how they deal with this? Uh, so sounds sounds great. I think just to wrap up, for agricultural producers who are interested in transitioning to solar energy, what advice do you give them right now? What, you know, if they're sort of, you know, just new to the topic, coming to it, interested, but yeah, on the line, on the on the line, what do you what do you tell them? We'll start with Lewis here. Yeah, I think finding somebody who's local to your market, I think, is a, a great way to start. There's a lot of organizations that are out there that are very good. I'll just plug the American Solar Grazing Association. Uh, that I help out with. So there's every niche niche you can imagine. There's an organization providing that information, figuring things out. And everyone that's involved in that is just a, a wealth of information. So if you're interested in it, there's probably a community surrounding that. So search that out and uh, reach out and I'm sure you'll find people to help you. That's an interesting point. We're in the 2020s. There's like a niche community for the, for everything, right? So it's got to be, it's got to be a fun, fun to explore. Ben? 
Well, I, I'd say, you know, speak to your local solar developer, uh, you know, companies such as GRNE, um, and they're experts on, on you know, deploying, uh, developing and deploying these systems and all kinds of different applications. And there's a lot of great companies out there and, and some have, you know, really focused on the, the uh, agricultural market. And, and then you want to, you know, choose the, the, the solutions that can give you the most energy and gives you the, you know, the module level monitoring capability, you know, the design flexibility that are, you know, specific and unique uh, to the, you know, the, the challenges for agri PV. And then, you know, companies like GRE could help, you know, figure out the, the return on investment. And, and I would like to add, like Lewis and I had the pleasure of attending an inaugural uh, solar Farm Summit conference in Illinois a couple of weeks ago that was very well attended. A lot of folks there from the the agricultural community uh, uh, seemed like it was at least 30, 40 percent of the of the attendees. And I, I really think it is the you know it's a combination. We're all in this together, right? It's a combination of the agricultural market, solar companies, agricultural industry, and uh, all of us working together to continue making strides. I mean, this was an inaugural event and very well attended. We're seeing other parts of the world a little bit more advanced because they may have other challenges with the, the food supply and food chain and, and access to good land. But I think as all of us getting together can help improve the, you know, the food supply with the transition to clean energy and, you know, really is a, makes a brighter future for our planet that we could work on together. Well, thanks a lot. I mean, we love everything solar, but something about agri-photovoltaics just always is a extra special arena for us. And I think for for readers, for everybody, it's just there's something about it. As as Lewis said, there's just a cool factor to it. There's a fun factor to it. There's a just common sense. This makes total sense factor to it, especially the more research is done showing how much they complement each other. So it's just a real pleasure talking to you guys today, learning a lot more from from true experts in this in this field, no pun intended. <laughs> and uh, definitely look forward to updates and attending that that uh, Agri PV conference or uh, in the future. So thanks a lot, and uh, have a sunny have a sunny day. Thank you, Zach. Thank you, Zach. Thank you for listening to Clean Tech Talk. Join us next time to get your electric fix. If you would like to sponsor our podcast, send us an email at accounts at cleantechnica.com. That's A-C-C-O-U-N-T-S at cleantechnica.com. Thanks. Walk, 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 walk,